My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hi friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion into the hearts of people with stories with the love of God in mind. I'm such an excited little girl today in the studio. I can't help it because first of all, we're surrounded by this beautiful color pink and we have these wonderful white lights. And if you're listening from podcasts, I'm so sorry. You're not seeing what I'm seeing, but I feel so lit up today. I feel full of light and love because I have this wonderful guest that's in town, Las Vegas today, in studio, in person. And my friend's name is Michael Mothin. He provides real talk on solutions to addiction, alcoholism, and unmanageable habits. Have any one of you have ever had an unmanageable habit? I know I have so many different things. This is about Michael today because he's a former drug addict and alcoholic who has dedicated his life to helping others in their path to recovery by using his own personal experience, by sharing with everyone what it was like, what happened in his life today. Michael Mothen, host of M to the Rock, is a charismatic speaker, passionate on the topics of process addiction, alcoholism and drug addiction, parental education intervention, addiction education, codependency, y'all don't think you got that, right? Enabling, uh-oh, my stepping on toes today, 12-step programs and religious trauma, sexual abuse and spirituality. Michael's passion is to help people by raising the bottom so that no one has to experience the pain that he has endured. Michael, thank you so much for coming on Annie's Pink Chair. Thank you. What an honor. (laughs) I love that there's a man in my studio sitting on the velvet pink chair. I love it. I like pink. (laughs) And your tattoos match and make it look beautiful. And I love your Jesus tattoo. Yeah, it, it looks like Brian Head Welch. It kind of does. Yeah. So, and um, it looks like that other TV, that one guy that was on, that they were passing out the video for in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it was called The Jesus Movie. Yeah. So if anyone hasn't seen it, please see it. It's a great movie. So, Michael, can you tell us about who you are? Some people might not know you and not really know your background because you and I are brothers and sisters. That's, a, that's right. Because... So. We found you on I Am Second. Yeah. And today I wore my I Am Second bracelet. There you go. But of course it's pink. There you go. Because I asked I Am Second to make pink ones for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'd wear a pink one. Yeah. You got to have a lot of self-confidence to wear pink as a man. Of course. Absolutely. Because, yeah, we don't need to get into why, do we? (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about what led you to even getting on I Am Second. Let's go back. Let's rewind to your childhood. Let's talk about that. Well, first of all, thank you for um, having me on your show. Uh, Much respect to you, uh, your ministry and what you do. Um, And I watched your I Am Second uh, film and it was so touching. And um, I'm really impressed and and honored to be here. So thank Thank you. you. Um, Yeah, I'm a, you know, former recovering uh, drug addict alcoholic. And, you know, as as a child, um, you know, I had my first drink when I was 10 years old. Yeah. 
really needed one when I was six. Right. But, you know, when I had that first drink, you know, the, you know, something happened. You know, when, when that alcohol went into my body, it relaxed my stomach. My yeah. shoulders stood back. Right. Um, and I had I had this false spiritual awakening. Sure. And then, you know, I, I felt like everybody around me looked. Who gave you that drink? It was actually my dad. Right. It was okay. my dad. And my dad doesn't drink. I mean, he's maybe has, you know, two beers, you know, a year. And um, but my grandma gave me my first beer. Yeah. Yeah. And it was harmless. And it mine, was just, mine was harmless. Yeah, too. It was just a harmless yeah. deal. Was, um, but what was so cool about it is, is I didn't have a good relationship with, with my parents and, and my dad. And it was just um, that moment that he wanted to spend time with me. Uh, yeah. I was mowing the yard. and um, It was a hot day probably, right? Yeah, it was a hot day in Texas. And, and so, you know, I took a sip of it and I just loved the taste of it. And then the You love the taste of beer. I love beer. I love alcohol. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Because yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't stand it. I was like, ew, what is this? No, I loved it. I loved the <laughs> taste of it. And, and I love, most importantly, I, I love the way it made me feel. Um, so... And I was like, you know, how can you, how do, how do people not live their life, you know, feeling like this? Well, it's funny that you say that. And I don't make to make this funny for any addict out there that's drinking. But when they were going, because my dad's family's the second Mayflower trip that was taken. Mm. My dad family goes all the way back. And so I learned about the Mayflower because I toured the one that's over on the East Coast. And they said that during their, their, their travel, they had to drink beer mm. to survive. Wow! Because the water had got had gotten stale and icky, and unless it rained, they didn't have water, so they survived on the alcohol that was in the barrels. Well, because alcohol keeps things clean. Yeah, you know, I, I would have survived. <laughs> I would have survived. I probably. Drank I mean, that, I would have drank that ship down. <laughs> so there wasn't enough We're alcohol. We're making another badge there over was here. Hold not on. Another alcohol, enough alcohol in that <laughs> ship for me. So, but you know, I, I have a disease. I have a mm. disease of addiction, and mm -hmm. and you know, now, some I, people argue with you on that, by the way. And, and, I, and it's a fair argument. Yeah. I mean, is, it, is it a choice or a disease? And, and you is know, it in your DNA? Yeah, is it in, in your, your DNA? Your but, geome and right. your right. And so, yeah. But I. I, you know, today um, I've made the choice to treat it like a disease and I'm living happy, joyous and free. So what, you know, what is addiction? You know, is, is what I talk about a lot is, you know, addiction is, is the street name for spiritual stronghold. That's yeah, what it is. I like that. And, you know, it's the street name and, and addiction is this. And, and what I, when I speak, you know, around the country is that is we're all addicts, yeah. you know, we're, we're addicted to sin. Everything. And, and mm. addiction is a, it's a, it's a person, place, thing. And here's a scary one, Annie, or a thought <laughs> that has become my source. Right. So when something Sounds like, like that, the internet, <laughs> yeah, when something like that becomes my source, yeah. you know, I'm an active addiction. And, sure. you know, I did a video one time challenging people to, uh, can you go one day without your cell phone? Can you go one day without looking at your cell phone? And someone say, I can do that, but here's the deal. Teacher, yeah. we used to do that before they were here. Yeah, and but the, the hard thing is, is that it's called the mental obsession. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about it and you're like, what am I missing? Oh my God, I'm so used to looking at it. Did somebody die? Yeah, someone die and <laughs> that's all you're thinking about. And then you waste your whole day mentally obsessing over that. And so there's a visible thing that's trying to fix my invisible problems instead of just being at peace so with myself. Good. Yeah, That's so good. What led you to taking that drink? Because I know your dad gave you the drink. You mowed the lawn. But what was inside of you that was so, like, it sounds like you had some childhood trauma. I did. I, I did. And I, I was, um, 
you know, I was a victim victim of, of uh, sexual abuse by, by my grandfather. And when I share my story today, it, it's not to get revenge or, or make this statement of you or know, excuses. How, yeah, how yeah. bad they were. And, and that's a really good point. When I speak, I always say I drank alcohol. I did drugs for the effect. Right. That's why I did it. You know, I didn't do it because I was dealt a bad deck. I wasn't. I didn't do it because of trauma. Well, and it all made me feel great, like the cocaine in my life. Yeah. That was my go-to. That was my God of my understanding. <laughs> you know, that was you my know, God. I was like, this makes me feel confident and in control and totally level. That's right. And, and the thing is with your brain, when your brain has high trauma like that, mm-hmm. drugs actually fill that void right. for a, a special amount of time only. Well, it fills it for a very mm-hmm. small period of time, mm-hmm. but we keep doing it and doing it over and over so and over. To make, yeah, to make that, um, to make that. And this body can only handle so much. That's it. And your body just drops dead. So you, you said you had, let's go back to the grandpa thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make you spill the gut part about the whole details, but how does a grandfather abuse a little boy? Like what happened to him? Well, you know, obviously it's a change. When I was born (laughs) again and, and, you know, and that confusion of, of like, why would why would this happen to me? You know, I had to look at him. I had to look at his life, the way he was raised. And he was raised, he had a horrible childhood, you know, and, and he had things done to him that were not okay. And that was passed down. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he just was gravitated towards me. Um, and, and the greatest relief that I got, and, and we talk about a lot in, the, in a program that I work, is that, you know, resentment is the number one offender. It kills more alcoholics and drug addicts than anybody else. Yes. When I have a resentment, it's because I play a role in it, yes. right? It's like, wait a minute, you played a role in what your grandfather did to you? Now, what he did to me is not okay. It is no. not okay. It's illegal. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's not okay. It's pedophilia, basically. It is. But he Child was a, abuse, he's a sick man. He yes. was a very sick man. Yeah. So when I started looking at it and, and the role that I played in it was I chose to hold on to the resentment. Yeah. And so I had this awakening where I forgave him and I was speaking in front of him a bunch of people one time and. And I, and I shared this story. I walked into this treatment center to share my story, to talk, and I didn't know what I was going to talk about, so I went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And there's two wall urinals and a, a stall where you mm-hmm. shut the door. Sure. And for my whole life, I couldn't go to a wall urinal and be next to a man. Yeah. I couldn't do slumber parties. I couldn't take showers and open showers with men. Um, it terrified me. Right. And, and so I recognized I was still struggling with that. I shared that that day in the meeting, you know, that I was speaking in front of all these people in treatment and four men, just tears are coming down their face. Wow. And they came up to me afterwards and said, what you shared, I struggle with too. Wow. You saved me. I've never heard any man say that before. Yeah. And it's, so it's, 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 it goes under shame and, yeah. and, and being, being nude in front of another man. Sure. It, it, I can't do it to this day, yeah. you know, and, and to this. It's a trigger. It, yeah. And to this day, you know, my dad was very physical with me. Uh, I've forgiven him. I love my dad. Um, is that I have a hard time getting close to men. You know, it's just really hard for me to trust men and get close to them. And I've gotten a lot better at it because of my mentor in my life today. But 
after I gave that speech and those guys, it really touched me and the spirit was moving and I was driving home and I was just rocketed to the fourth dimension, which means is that I'm looking down on the situation and I'm seeing things through God's perspective. Yeah, I like that. And so, so, and, and I hope people will understand what I'm saying that sometimes God doesn't make sense. You know, he yeah. allows things to happen mm-hmm. so that we will turn to him to know that he is God. Mm-hmm. And I recognized the Holy Spirit just came over me and I said, wow, my God used my grandfather to touch these men's lives, right. you know, to help them by me being transparent and telling them my story, just like I told you, where I love him. He's yeah. God's, he was created in the image of God, you of know, course. Christ. Of he, um, and he just had a horrible childhood. and. And I've forgiven him and I get to use the story today not to make a statement or set revenge. That's a luxury I don't have anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But to share the, the grace of Christ of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew six fourteen and 15, you know, when we forgive those who sinned against us, God will bless our game. Yeah. The Bible doesn't work for me <laughs> if, unless I do that. And so I had to go through and yeah. I had to... Um, to forgive these people who had harmed me and, and and accept the role that I play in it. Yeah. So then after you were like, obviously this, all this trauma is going on. And as you grew up, because obviously you have a crazy story that I want to get into. Obviously you had your first drink at six and then became a teenager. I mean, your life is like not normal no. because it's just, it's no, not I was, okay. I was, I was using any sort of chemical or visible things to change the way I felt. Right. You know, how did you get into, I mean, you said you're arrested. Like I, I kind of a kinship with you because I've been arrested 25 times. Hmm. I and, got you by two. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw hmm. that. I was like, Oh my goodness. And you know, getting in a holding tank is really hard, you know, mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people mm-hmm. and it stressed me out. And I remember you had mentioned something about laying about on a, toilet paper roll. And I did the same thing mm-hmm. because your neck starts cracking after a while. You've been in there a couple days. You're just like, I have nothing to lean against. And I'm, I'm sitting up trying to sleep. You know, there's no room in the, in the tank. Uh, and, but ha- what happened? You got well, arrested. Be- well, and- well, before that, I mean, let me back up a little bit for you before that, you know, I, I grew up and uh, I was, a, I, I went straight from high. I grew up in country clubs. My dad was very successful and I, and I grew up and uh, with, in a, these men in the locker rooms, these very successful, wealthy men, and they raised me and I, and I wanted what they had. And that was money and, and stuff, notoriety, and, notoriety. Mm-hmm. and, and, and they, they taught me how to live and they were actually teaching me how to die. And so I had this skewed vision on life, but I followed that and I went straight from high school to the pro golf tour. Um, and I was a caddy on the oh, tour. Wow. I was a caddy on the tour for w- the best golfer in the world at the time for five years. Wow! Can that's, you say his name or not? I, I keep it quiet. Okay, but, that's fine. But um, I, I um, but five years—that's a long time. A long time. It was a rock star lifestyle. It was perfect for Whoa. me. I was a bookie on the tour. You know, drugs and alcohol, and but. For a, for a while, it worked. You know, we were manageable. It was medicine. You know, people didn't even know we were altered. You know, it was just like we could manage happy. it. You just happy. In fact, job. I've been to Vegas and being, this is my first time to be in Vegas sober, you know. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, but 
so I left that lifestyle and, and went on to real estate and land development and home building and became one of the most well-known high-end luxury home builders, very financially successful. And, and what was the business name? It was used. Michael Moulton Luxury Homes. Okay. And so, how did you learn how to do? Who taught you how to do? Well, I grew up with real estate guys, and I grew up, you know, in, in construction, and and you know, always I've been very creative, artistic. Did you flip uh, homes sometimes? No, or? never did that. Just, we did. I did all new builds. Okay. So the houses that we built were ten and twenty thousand square feet. You know, the air was real thin with my clients that we built for. That's those are big houses. No, they're really big. So they were off the chain. So. Um, but it was a great experience and did it, you know, for 20 years. I was trying to get sober. I was married for 14 years and we had two boys and, and you know, my life, you know, collapsed in 2009 when my wife had a massive brain hemorrhage and was sent to a coma. Oh, no. And family started fighting and money and just all oh, sorts of stuff. The, the, the bad things happen, you know, like a tragedy happens to a family and then all of a sudden you realize... Who is for the person? Who is against the person? Mm -hmm. Who is trying to get the money? Who has this, you know, hold on? Who can, makes the decisions? Right. The POA at the end of someone's life. It's like, what do we do here? Right. And I was scared. Yeah, you know? of And I had, I had no tool. I mean, my very first time I went to I've been to many treatment centers and, you know, I had money. And the first treatment center I went was Betty Ford, you know. And the reason why I say Betty Ford, because... Um, you know, that's where the celebrities and sure. people go. So um, that's could, where important people private. Like, yeah. that's where important people like me go. That's where, what I really thought of myself. And, um, you know, I went there and and, you know, it just I, I didn't have any tools on how to handle fear. And so the way that I would handle fear and when I wasn't in control mm -hmm. was to create chaos and and it never worked out well. And so my life spiraled out of control then and Gave all my money away and and um, was broke. How and long were then, you in the the center for? About four months. Okay. How's there four months? Were you supposed to stay longer? That was the longest I stayed. Yeah. Okay. I tried to Do, break out a couple of times. It oh, came and got me. Oh, oh. So, Do they require you to stay longer, or is it just per per case? Every case is per case. Okay. But they wanted me to stay longer. They, and, I, and you tried breaking out. Why did you try to break out? Did you were you having a? Because I had it figured out. Yeah. I don't need you. And they were talking about God. You know, they were pushing the 12-step program, which is what I work today. Um, I don't wave any flag for any sure. certain recovery group, but I go to support group meetings. Right. And, right. and so when they started talking about God, step three, you know, made a decision to turn our will and life over to the care of God as we understand them. <laughs> I said, I'm out. You You're know, like, mm, I don't want to do no. that. <laughs> I want nothing to do with God, religion, or church. Yeah, especially if he's a father figure. Come right. on. Yeah, exactly. My grandpa was a yeah. weirdo and my dad was this. And yeah. what? You want me to turn my life over to him? Like, yeah. You think, you think he's going to do the same thing? No nope. way. I mean, why am I going to believe in Casper the Friendly Ghost? Yeah. You know, I, I and he to... was a favorite character of mine growing up, just so you know. <laughs> he was my friend, and uh, I had a Casper the Friendly Ghost doll. Oh, that's cool. I did. That's cool. I can see you having that. <laughs> it glowed in the dark, and I could press the, pull the thing, and it would talk to oh, me. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> it was a famous toy. Right. <laughs> so I left there, and and so I got back and, and immediately got into another resentment and twisted off. And then, um, But when my wife got sick and was in a coma and, and everything was going completely getting out of control, um, my drug use and alcoholism went to an all new high and then it made it real easy for me, for people not to trust me mm -hmm, saying mm -hmm. he is sick. And that's what led me down to my first arrest. Um, and here's the cool thing about my first arrest is that here's me, you know, Mr. Gucci, you know, going down to the jail 
And were you wearing Gucci? No, but <laughs> but I, I went down there and and it scared me. It really got my attention, and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is so not me, you know? Oh, I, I can't got, stand jail. It's like oh. I said in the I Am Second film. I said <sighs> I've arrived in a place that I thought I'd never be. Yeah, I've become one of these guys. Right. And here's the thing. I swore. I go, I'm done. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I had a second degree felony, my first arrest, you know. And so I got bonded out. And when I got bonded out, and remember, I, I said, I'm never drinking. I'm never doing alcohol or drugs again. And I meant it. I meant it with every ounce of blood in my body. And I got back uh, to my apartment. What was your bond? Hmm? What was your bond? I think it was like $3,500. Oh, it's not too bad. That was, the mean, only, that was the only bond I had. Judge Bennett, after that, she chased me all, all around Texas. And, uh, so I get to my apartment, and here's what a lot of people can relate to in, in addiction, is that we say it, and we mean it. And can you relate? How many times do you say, I'm done? I'm not going to do it anymore. And I got in there, and I got into fear. I said, you know what? I just need one drink. I just need one line just to level me out. Yeah. I'm a taper off. Right, Okay. Right. I blasted off that night and was drunk a high again that night. And then 26 mug shots later, 27 total mug shots. Oh, my goodness. Now, when you said you first came into the jail that first time, and you, you said it scared you. What about it scared you? It scared me because um, I was thinking about self, like, what are people going to think about me? Right. You know what I mean? And the mug shot freaked me out. Yeah. I mean, people in Dallas. I saw were, your mugshot. I yeah. was like, whoa. Yeah. People in Dallas were using my mugshot against me. And mm. um, so there was a lot of shame, a lot of paranoia, what people were saying about me. Um, and so to make that paranoia go away, what do we do? We drink and do drugs. You know, so it was this vicious cycle. That were you sparked. afraid of any of the inmates in there? The first time I was there, then I just kind of, I got so used to it, you know, and, and you know, I, I, um, I got to know the system, you know, I, 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 I was one of them. And, you know, in, really in fact, interesting. Um, in fact, um, uh, Sunday, uh, I'll be celebrating six years of, of sobriety. Oh, congratulations. So, so May 29th, 2017 is when I got apprehended for the 27th time um, and I was going to prison. Um, so out of six years, I was incarcerated four years. And and so when I when I went to prison the last time, um, you know, I gave up and I told my judge, um, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And and I said these powerful words, and I, and I hope your listener hears this, is that the first thing that I had to do was to get completely honest. And the most honest thing that I said was, I don't know why I drink. I don't know why I do drugs. I just don't know why I'm doing this. And I'm willing to go to any length to do it, but I knew it could not be on my terms. Yeah. Because left to my own devices, I fail mm-hmm. every time. Um, and that's when uh, she sentenced me, and, and that's where the whole story starts of, you know, to July 7th of 2017, when I had this miraculous spiritual awakening um, on <gasps> the top bunk. That's my mom's birthday. Ah. July 7th. Uh, and I'm sorry for your loss. I Thank saw your you. post a year ago. I miss her every day. Mm-hmm. I, you know what's really crazy is the fact that when you said the addiction to the cell phone, I don't want to start crying, but we're almost out of time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would check my phone and obsess over it because God was preparing me for her death several years ago. Mm. And... That's the only reason why I was obsessed with my phone mm. like I was. 
because she was a phone call away. Mm. And even though she was living in Wisconsin, at least that was my landline to her, like my heart line to her, mm. my connection, all that. So uh, the phone thing is important for a lot of people because some people are on the other end of that phone line that they love and they're worried about and they care about, especially when they're ailing in their health. Right. Right. But the beautiful thing is, is that you are now providing that mom figure to all these women that you're helping. Yeah. You know, hey, Michael, let's talk about because we have about two minutes left. People are probably just leaning in right now because we want to hear the Jesus story because it's coming. Mm-hmm. So why don't why don't we tell the audience uh, where, first of all, you have two minutes, but talk to this camera. And if someone's struggling, give them give them some hope okay. and then tell them how to get a hold of you on okay. your website and your podcast. If you're feeling hopeless and and, and in despair and this has touched you in any way um, and and you don't know why you're doing the things you're doing, I I challenge you this. Um, If you're breathing right now, you have a purpose. You have a destiny. God has a plan for you. If you don't believe in God, I want to challenge you right now to say this prayer. God I don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. Help me. Amen. That's it. Amen. Get real with yeah. God. Shout out to him because yeah. he will touch you and he will change you. I promise you. Amen. How can we get a hold of you if somebody wants to talk to you or just go to m2therock.com. Um m2 the rock uh three words, the letter m number 2 the rock um on all social media platforms. Uh type that in and you'll see us. Okay, perfect, Michael. Thank you so much. We're going to do part two. So you are going to be right back in a little bit. And friends, I want to encourage you to watch this entire episode because we're about to do part two. We're going to be back soon. I want to thank you for listening to today's show and watching with us. Michael's incredible story of getting out of addiction and into a lifestyle of helping others. Thank you so much for joining Annie's Pink Chair. My name is Anne Lobert, and we're going to see you next time. Hi, my name is Anne Lobert, and right now we're standing at the Destiny House, and this is a place where ladies can come and heal from the ravages of sex trafficking and trauma, complex trauma that is very common with each survivor that gets out of trafficking. We just love this property because it's a place of peace. A lot of people say to me, Annie, you know, trafficking really doesn't affect me. I don't know why you're even doing this. Well, listen, it's in your own backyard. It's in Las Vegas, but it's also in Los Angeles. It's also in Dallas. It's also in Chicago. It's also in Minneapolis. It's also in New York. It's in Florida. It's in every state in our country. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a place where ladies can come and get the healing that they truly need. And we are survivor-led, and it's so important that you join us in this fight. This is something you can become a monthly partner with. We are survivor-led, and because of that, we don't have a lot of funds. We need your help. We need your partnership. People say, well, I want to be involved. I want to volunteer. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, yes, we'd love for you to volunteer, but you know what we need more? We need partners like you to step up and stand with our ladies and say, I believe in your now. I believe in your healing and your future. And here's my $20 a month. Here's my $50 a month. Here's my $500 a month to go towards your healing, to go towards your trauma therapy, to go towards your cooking classes, to go towards your job readiness classes, to go towards your college. This is what I want to give as a gift to these wonderful human beings that are being restored 
from the horrible ravages of trafficking. I'm one of the ladies. I wish I had this program when I was getting out of trafficking. Unfortunately, I didn't. But we have it here at Destiny House and another house we have, Dream House. It's our house that the graduates go to when they get out of this property and they transition into their job, into their schooling, into getting their own car and their own place, independent living. We really need your support. We can use your support. Please join us in this fight. It doesn't take that much. You can give up your coffee for the day. You can give up that country ride you're gonna take with your friends or, or that weekend vacation. Give us a support because we are in need of monthly donors just like you. And by you giving a dollar or more or a thousand dollars from a dollar to 10,000, whatever that looks like, you are going to be changing someone's lives. And our lives that we work with are precious. Please join us today and go to pinkchair.org, click on donate. Join us in the fight against sex trafficking.